Would you follow along with me as I read God's word for us? Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. We should be careful when we talk about prayers for blessing. This is a prayer for blessing. And doesn't the Bible tell us to be careful about seeking blessing for ourselves? Lord, would you bless me? Please bless me. Would everyone here please pray that I would be blessed? Enough of me praying to be blessed. Would you pray that I would be blessed? Aren't we supposed to be a little bit creeped out about prayers for blessing? You know, the book of James says that we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. So there's a right way to be creeped out and to be careful about prayers for blessing. And yet this is a psalm. And the psalms express our hearts before God. They give voice to who we are before God and to our worship of God. And they're also training wheels. The Psalms train us to pray. And this is here for us. What would it look like for you to be shaped by this prayer for blessing? What would it look like for us as a network to take God at his word and ask God to bless us in this way? Let's look. Let's dive in and see. Okay, what's the basis of this blessing? It's very bold. Look at the first line. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And then there's that word selah. It's some kind of musical term. It's actually kind of mysterious. No one knows exactly what it is. Some kind of musical pause there. Whenever I see that word selah, I imagine a harp solo going on for a while. Some finger tapping in the temple. For like five minutes or so. God be gracious to us. Bless us. Make his face to shine upon us. What's the basis of that ask? Now, many of the churches here, we all rent space, right? And when I negotiate, which I've done for a lot of years, with landlords and people who own stuff, you typically don't go in and just say, hey, I was thinking you could be nice and just give us a bunch of stuff. You typically go in... And we have a great relationship with our landlord at 2424 East York Street. And the managing partner there, I'll go in and say things like, hey, if you would do this, if you would paint this and fix this up, I'll tell you what, we'll plant trees around the building. How about we partner in that way? And it's typically a negotiation of some kind with an authority figure. And yet this blessing, this ask is completely different. May God be gracious The basis of this blessing and the the fountain of this blessing is God in his grace. God, would you just be gracious and bless us? Would you give us what we do not deserve? That's the idea of grace, right? Grace is undeserved favor. Sheer, 
You don't deserve it at all. It's not because you earned it. it. You didn't perform your way into it. You didn't have a track record of love to God and love to others that recommended you to God. You're not uh, coming to God with a report card, with a record. The way to have a relationship with God is only with grace, his grace. And uh, one of the things you need to know about the psalm, it's very like this priestly blessing in number six. Okay, The the Bible begins... um, with Genesis and then in Exodus, God rescues his people out of slavery and he teaches them to worship. He teaches them what it's like to know him. He teaches them to live for him. And God tells his priests to pronounce this blessing on his people. He says to his priests, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. It's this this blessing that's dropped out of heaven upon a people. And it's dropped out, uh, not sought for, not asked. They didn't seek God for this blessing. God in grace, in an undeserved way, for the people he had rescued and delivered, and then he was instructing and showing, just said, pronounce this blessing upon them. Say, say, I will be gracious to them. That's grace. They didn't earn it. They didn't achieve that. Uh, this is something that people hear about in every Liberty Church all the time. We're constantly Offering out the fact that, you know what, the way to connect with God, the only way to connect with God is through his grace. And that's actually what we see in Jesus the fullest. Jesus Christ, the son of God, comes and he is the one, according to the gospel of John, who is full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the one, from his fullness, we have all received grace Upon grace. Undeserved favor, undeserved love, undeserved relationship. That's grace. That's the fountain of this blessing. And at every Liberty Church, we want to be a place where people can get to know that, explore that. We want to be a church where no matter uh, what your track record has been, no matter what happened last night, last week, no matter what you've done, You can connect with God and the God of grace who's shown that grace through Jesus Christ in his cross, dying for our sins and in his empty tomb. This Jesus is real and he's for you. And you can come and taste and see. This is a blessing that's based on grace. Now, uh, look at the purpose of this. The purpose of this blessing. It's in verse 2. It starts, God, would you be gracious to us So that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is God's heart, and it's a prayer. God, bless us that you would be known. Bless us that this grace and goodness that are from you would be known in all the world. And this is God's heart, and this is his plan. Uh, It's God's heart 
right? This is why Liberty Churches, we want to be places where you bring your friends who don't know Jesus. We want to be communities where people can explore Jesus, who don't know anything about them, who don't know what they think about it. God actually wants to be known. God wants to be known. Um, Why does Jesus get mad at the end of the Gospel of Mark? I think that would be a great sermon series. Why Jesus gets mad. There's actually a number of passages. You could do a sermon series on that. Jesus gets gets mad at false religion. Jesus gets mad at hypocrisy. Uh, Jesus gets mad. One of the most famous instances is when he flips out on the money changers in the temple. Right? There's this courtyard for the nations. Courtyard where people from any nation could come and pray and worship in the temple. And uh, it'd become a marketplace. It'd become a place where people could change one kind of money into another kind of money. It'd become this little petting zoo area. You could buy an an animal for sacrifices. And Jesus comes and makes a whip with ropes and drives everyone out, flips over the tables. And what's his proof text for that? Why, Why did he say, hey, this is okay to do? He quotes Isaiah 56. He says, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. We're supposed to be praying for the world. This is supposed to be a place where anyone can come. This is a place where we are to pray for the nations of the world that God would be known. That's why he flipped out. This is God's heart. God wants to be known. Uh, And that's something for us to remember as we pray for our friends, as we pray for our neighborhood, as we pray for our region. God wants to be known. He wants the goodness of his grace to be known. Uh, This is not just his heart. This is his plan. God actually wants to use people who've connected with his grace in furthering the extent of that grace in the world. That's what he's always been into. Sometimes the church has forgotten this. Okay, we've tried to capture this in our vision statement. The Liberty Churches exist to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for our neighborhood. Right? God, since we have connected to God and his grace, now we're going to live, speak, and serve by God's grace with his strength where we live that he would be known. That other people would know. This has always been his plan. Um, one of the times that the church had forgotten this was uh, in the late 18th century. Okay, late, late 1800s, 1785, a young man named William Carey. He was 27 years old, and he was reasoning with other pastors. He, he was reasoning, saying, hey, given my reading of the book of Isaiah, shouldn't we be doing more to make God known in places where he's not known? Shouldn't we be trying to spread this good news? Isn't that what God would want us to do? Wouldn't he want us to take this to places that haven't heard? Wouldn't that be the right thing to do? Shouldn't we go to places that haven't heard with this good news? Should we not go? Is it not our duty? Is it not the duty of all Christians to spread the gospel to all the world? That's what he asked a gathering of pastors. And there was an awkward silence. And an older, older pastor said, young man, sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he will do it without you or me. He will do it without our help. Actually, no. Uh, look, the good news of the gospel is this. When we connect with God and his grace, 
God makes us channels of that grace to others. When you connect with Jesus, and if you're connected with Jesus all, Jesus actually wants to make you part of what he is doing. Jesus wants to make you part of what he's doing in the world. And so when you pray, God bless me with what I need to make you known, that is God's heart. God wants us to pray that. That is God's plan. That's why we live as if we are sent to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus together for our neighborhood. Uh, Jesus is kind of like, you know, he's kind of like a, a healing holy tornado in this way. I think of Jesus as a healing holy tornado this way. He sucks you into what he is doing, and you don't negotiate with the tornado. You submit, and you let yourself fly, and you see where you end up. Having talked to a lot of people who are in the process of becoming Christians, it's interesting to hear what people say. One of the things that come out, people say, I'm not sure what's happening in me, but I'm changing. Things are different. I don't have a sense of exactly what's going on. I sense that I'm being, like, things are going on within me or changing. I find myself surprised at what I'm agreeing to in the ways that I feel like now I'm called to love and serve. Jesus is a tornado. He draws us into what he is doing. And where he puts you down, you won't even know. Um, In the Gospels, uh, this is played out in one of the ways. Have you ever noticed that sometimes Jesus does what's called the messianic secret? Okay, Jesus does these miracles, and it's weird. He says, no matter what happens, don't tell anybody that I've healed, healed you. Right? And it's kind of weird. You're like, why doesn't Jesus want to be famous for that? Why doesn't he want people to know that he's healed them? And it's actually, it's not so that he won't be known. It's so that he will be truly known. It's so he won't just be known as a magician, as a physician, as a healer, as this person who does stunts. He doesn't want people with just a partial idea of the kind of savior he is to spread the news. And... Uh, so often, when he was about to go into a place and he had healed someone, he'd say, okay, you need to keep this secret for right now. But then there's other times, and it seems like especially when the person is going to go back to a region that he's not going to be able to visit, he says, go tell everybody. So Jesus heals this really tormented man in Mark 5. He's a man who had demons. and he, I mean, he was tormented. He lived in the tombs. He was really gone. And the man, after being healed by Jesus, begs to go with Jesus. He begs, could I go with you? And Jesus instead sends him. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go tell. Go tell your friends. That's the flow of grace. When God blesses us, he doesn't bless us to make us like a cul-de-sac where the blessing stays here and stays with us. He blesses us that we would be channels of his grace. That that grace would flow to others. That's the flow of grace in Psalm 67. And those are the blessings we are to seek. Uh, One of the really wild things I've discovered, uh, after living in Northern Liberties 10 years, I didn't know this just till the last few months, 
that there is actually this huge, awesome church in the neighborhood that I live in, in Northern Liberties. It's called the First Presbyterian Church of Northern Liberties. And it blew up to like 1,100 people. Uh, it was between 5th and 6th, just south of Spring Garden, on a street that doesn't even exist anymore. The building's not there. And uh, it, was, it was at an unheard of size for a church at that time in the city. Okay? The, it was multi-site for a while, for a long time, which is kind of interesting. Should be kind of interesting to everyone in this room. You know, many of us have done that. We've been part of that. And then they called this guy named James Patterson in 1814, and it blew up. It, it, it got really big. 1,700 people joined the church over the course of his ministry. 60 people went into full-time Christian service. And so it was, people wondered, what, what is going on here? Why, is, um, why have so many people in the Northern Liberties neighborhood come to know Jesus and his, as Savior why have they come to connect with God's grace? A couple things about this church. They prayed like crazy. They had all these prayer days. And there's records of this. Uh, where they said, okay, today is the day to fast and pray for colleges. They'd fast and pray as a church for the colleges of America. Hey, today we're going to fast and pray for our region, our city. And they'd fast and pray for their city. Uh, and they did it a lot. They would pray for the coming year. And uh, God just blessed the seeking of his face. Another thing about them, they had 50 what they called prayer meetings. Now, let me tell you about these prayer meetings. They were led by people in the church uh, in homes. And so they were criticized by other churches and other pastors because it seemed like James Patterson was commissioning uh, unordained people to lead, speak, and serve and I've read this past week about one, one pastor saying, look, they had these like 50 house meetings. They're almost like home churches. That's what he said. Almost like home meetings. That's what I, what I read. Almost like home churches because it's the, it's the duty of the people in the church to lead, speak, and uh, encourage each other. Is this recognizing pastors and clergymen? He was actually criticizing it. What's awesome about it is they acted like, look, oh, you've become a Christian. You've become connected to Jesus. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to lead? What ministry to the poor do you want to be a part of? They enlisted everybody. They had 50 home meetings in Northern Liberties. And they were lay-led. They said, hey, there's no prayer meeting on this street. Maybe you should go and just gather people and read some of the Bible, talk about it. That's what they did. And then they prayed for a while at these prayer meetings. They acted like no matter uh, who it was that connected to God and his grace, that God was going to use them to make himself known. God was going to use ordinary people who had connected to Jesus to make God's grace known. Friends, that's what we're called to. And we're called to pray this. We're called to pray, to pray big. Lord, bless us. Be gracious to us that your ways would be known in all the world. Let all the peoples rejoice. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Uh, we need to pray this for our neighborhood, our region, and our world. When we pray it for our neighborhood... I mean, pray this for the hard situations in your family. Pray, God, 
be gracious to me, bless me, make your face shine upon me, that you be known in my family, in the family situations that you're in, they're just upside down. Uh, pray this for people by name. Many of our churches are going to do that, spend Lent praying for people by name. People in our lives who have yet to connect with the grace of God in Jesus. When we pray this for our region, God, bless us. Make your way known, your saving power among all nations. Pray this for New Jersey. Pray this for the mainline. Pray this for Harrisburg. Pray this for Philadelphia. Let the peoples where I live rejoice in you. Let the people in my neighborhood rejoice over who Jesus is. Would you cause that to happen? When we pray this, churches will be planted. And it's moving when you pray and you realize God is not known. You know, many of you, uh, one of the things that brought, that, uh, that's gotten you excited is you realize, you know what, uh, you've connected with God's grace for the first time. And you realize that there's so many people in your life, amongst your coworkers, amongst your neighbors, who know nothing of it. They know nothing about what Jesus did. And it's motivating. Three blessings that the Liberty Network should ask for. Three blessings that the Liberty Network could seek that God would be known amongst us. I want to give us at least these specific, three specific things to pray for. Let's pray that God would bless us with unity. Few of us here have been to all the Liberty Churches. Actually, only a small number of people. They're all very different now. Uh, and they're, they're shaped by who, the leadership God's raised up. They're shaped by the people in the neighborhood. That's right and good. And actually, as this grows, this will be harder to be a network that stays together. Uh, very many of us were still in our pajamas when a group of people in Harrisburg got on a bus and rode two hours to be here. And last year, we had the, the mainline team and the Harrisburg team. They were the ones we were laying hands on and praying that God would bless these two churches that were going to start in February and March, last year, respectively. And now this network is growing, and those two churches are thriving. And as God grows us, we're going to have to pray that we would be unified. The point of being a network, and we're learning to be a network, the point of being a network is that God can do more through us together and bear more fruit together than he ever could one church alone. One church is not going to say, let's provide 1,500 Easter meals in this region and drill all these wells in Sudan. And by God and his grace, let's pray that more happens to make God known together than ever would happen if we had just one church act independently. We're going to need to pray for unity. Uh, Second thing we're going to need to pray for, pray that God would bless us with maturity so that God would be known and the peoples would rejoice. Uh, Why maturity? Many of you, whether you're serving as a greeter or a home meeting leader or doing children's ministry as an elder or deacon, whatever it is that you've stepped into, it's the first time that you've done that. You're not coming with this vast, like, experience backpack that you can just pull all this awesome stuff out of. You're serving in ways that you've never served before and you're serving for the first time and we need to pray that God would mature us. God does use the process of ministry to show us how weak we are 
how much we're an idiot, how shallow our patience is, how quickly we run out of love, gentleness, perseverance. It's definitely been my story. You know, God has shown me how immature I am, how much I lack wisdom, how much pride still shapes my decisions, how quickly I can be selfish instead of self-giving like Jesus. And God uses that to grow us. Jesus said that those who are fruitful will be pruned, that they might be more fruitful. What would it look like for us to pray that God would bless us with maturity and perseverance and the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control that we will need to stick it out? Because uh, anyone doing any kind of ministry, after a while, you're like, what have I gotten myself into and how soon can I quit? Welcome to the club. Would we pray, God, would you bless us with maturity? Would you grow us that you would be known and that we would live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in this neighborhood, in this place? Would you pray that? Another thing that we're going to need to pray for is we're going to need to pray for renewed boldness and sacrificial love. And I put these together. Boldness and sacrificial love. Uh, Church planning is hard. Sending out leaders is hard. Saying goodbye to resources that you think you could use is hard. And there's a temptation that once you've been through that, hey, we said goodbye to some folks. And for some of you in this room, this is sort of like a reunion. You're like, oh, yeah, remember we used to be in a home meeting together? We used to be part of the same church? And you're not anymore. And there's a temptation that once you get over that brutal early period of the church plant, you, you look at your spouse or your closest friends, and you're like, let's make a deal. Never do this again. <laughs> I remember a lady actually saying to me, um, she had had all this renewal in her, in her life at Liberty Church East and connected to Jesus and his community for the first time. And she's, I forget what we are changing, location or name or probably both those things, a bunch of things. Some stuff was going to change, and she said, hey, I just connected to this for the first time, and for the first time it's good, it's been really life-giving. Can you, could we stop changing stuff? I'm just barely connected, could you please stop changing stuff? And of course we couldn't say that. And uh, there's a boldness and willingness to sacrifice people that are precious, resources that are precious, For a greater good and a greater vision, when you look at the city, when you look at the region, when you look at the wider picture and say, for the sake of the people's joy, for the sake of the people's rejoicing, for the sake of others, we are called by Jesus and his gospel, which has come to us, to ask that to be renewed in us. To ask again for that boldness, to ask for that willingness to say goodbye for a while to people we love. We need to ask God for that blessing of renewed boldness and a renewed willingness to sacrifice. And I put boldness in there um, just because every time we plan in a church, it looks like for a while, because it's true, that it might not go very well. It just looks like, wow, this could really be bad for a lot of people. It just always looks like that for a while. 
sometimes often. Uh, and, and we need to have in us a sense of sentness. Jesus has, by his grace, made us part of what he is doing. Let's pray for areas around us where there aren't churches. Let's pray for what God's doing in the world. Uh, some of you should not be here next year because you're part of what God's doing in the world in another country. There should be some spots in the pews empty because we've sent more people. We need to pray that God would bless us with a renewed boldness and willingness to sacrifice. And notice that this kind of blessing is not selfish. When we pray, God bless us so that the peoples would rejoice, bless us so that the nations would be glad, so that they would sing for joy. This isn't selfish. It's very loving. It's very, very loving. Isn't this how Jesus talked to us? Jesus said, look, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you. And so that your joy would be full. And when we pray, God bless us so that you would be known, we're actually praying for what is a most key for other people's joy. God has brought us into the most exciting thing in the world, which is what he is doing in the world. And we are spreading his joy. Uh, the name of our church means freedom. And we are people who, having tasted freedom, are called to live that out in every way we can come up with. In our family, in our, in our most immediate relationships, our marriage, if we're married, amongst our friends and family, on our street, on our block. You know, how we think about our job and what we try to do in our job, how we try to affect the world in our job, and how we spend our time, energy, and resources. God has brought us into what he is doing in the world. And it's loving when we pray, God, bless me with what I need from you and what we need to make you known. Notice, um, this is fueled by confidence. Do you notice how the psalm ends? It's very, very confident. It's not like God might bless us. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Uh, there's a vision here of a healed earth. The earth has yielded its increase. It's, sort of, it's the opposite of the world being cursed and empty and barren. You know, I think about the empty factories in Philadelphia being full and fruitful again. You think about the barren places being places of productivity and blessing. And this is fueled by a vision of a healed earth, a healed creation. God will bless us. Now, why do we have that confidence? Why do we have it? I remember leading a Bible study. It was actually before I was a pastor. I was part of a church north of the city. And it was, uh, I got to lead this Bible study with these skater kids. Everyone had really baggy pants, early 90s. That's how we rolled. Really baggy pants, skater kids. And we're uh, going through one of the Gospels, looking at the person of Jesus. And some of these guys, they were like ninth, 10th, 11th grade skater guys. They had like never heard this. I remember this one kid, he was like, wait, um, Jesus, he rose from the dead? He rose from the dead? And I was like, 
right? <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. And he, and he said, that changes everything. It does. It changes everything. When we pray, God bless us, we know that God is going to heal this earth. He is committed to this planet because he came in his son and he died for sins. Friends, the tomb is empty. No matter what happens to you, it doesn't even matter. If you die in this quest, you won't be separated from the love of God. God is with you. He will heal the world. The tomb is empty. Friends, let's pray that we would be blessed, that Liberty Church would be blessed, that God would be known, his saving power amongst all nations. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, we pray that you would be gracious to us and bless us, make the light of your face shine upon us, that you would be known. Uh, We pray for boldness, maturity, more depth in you, more living out of all that you are, that you would be known. We pray this, that uh, in our own family and where the people we are called to pray for, the people on this planet that no one else will pray for, no one else will speak to them of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the people you put in our lives, we pray this for their sake. We pray this for our neighborhood, for our region. We pray this for uh, southern New Jersey and Harrisburg and the Philadelphia area. We pray this for the sake of more churches that would live this out and more communities of people to be planted that would live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in this world. Oh, Jesus, please come do that. Please bless us that you might be known. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.